Welcome to Chronicles, a podcast about real people with real stories, having real conversations on health. I'm Mara Olson. I am a global health advocate based in Boston in the U.S. I'm a cancer survivor and someone living with a severe chronic immune disorder. And I will only admit it on this particular episode because of what we're talking about. I am also a little bit of a workaholic. <laughs> Hi, uh, everyone. Um, my name is Grace Katera. I'm a lived experience mental health advocate. I live with mental health disorders and a lot more. But today I just wanted to say I am 26 and I like you guys. Cute, Grace. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Chantal. I am speaking from Durban in South Africa. I'm a global mental health advocate and a social impact entrepreneur. I advocate from lived experience on many different platforms. And mainly I am here to see how we can get youth a voice in global mental health. Hello everyone, I'm Michaela, uh, based in Geneva, Switzerland, but from Austin originally. I am a global health advocate, researcher, and communicator, and I am probably one of the proudest daughters of a wonderful man living with HIV and bipolar disorder. So, we all went out for the holidays. I want to hear how the holidays work for everyone. For me, it was amazing. I get to go home to Minneapolis and have my family there. My, my parents are selling our childhood home, which is kind of a big deal, but it meant that we hosted everything. We had four mm. Christmas dinners and a neighborhood oh my gosh. party and <laughs> just went for it. It was amazing. And we went up to my cabin on, at Lake Superior and the North Shore of Minnesota, and I got to completely ignore work for two weeks and just spend a ton, a ton of time with my family and some of the people I grew up with. And it was really wonderful. It was a lot. It was overwhelming. There was a lot of people time. It sounds like a lot, Maya. My goodness. It was a lot. I definitely did go to our cabin just so we could sit around and read and do nothing for three days because we had been Mm -hmm. just doing parties and dinners nonstop. But I came back to Boston and it was really nice to get back into the routine. But also, work is hard. And I'm already tired. It's been a week, week and a half. And I am so proud of the work that I get to be a part of. I work for Partners in Health, which is a global health organization that supports communities and and governments in a lot of poorer parts of the world to really build health systems. And my colleagues are wonderful. The work we do is really inspiring. But I tend to prioritize my team, what my team needs, the advocacy work that I'm doing over my own wellness and self-care a lot. And I'm trying to work on it. But kind of coming back in the new year, it reminds me that can be challenging. How are you guys doing? How is the holidays? How do you balance some of those things on kind of wellness and work and, and deal with those challenges? We are living with tough stuff in terms of our own conditions or the experiences of our families, and it can be hard to balance that while we're also trying to be successful and doing great work. Yeah, thanks. But first, uh, did it snow in Minneapolis? It did. It 
it snowed a lot when I first got there, and then it kind of warmed up. Oh. But no, it was nice. I got to go ice skating, and it was a snowy Christmas, and it was great. Ooh, that sounds, that sounds lovely. lovely. I've never seen snow. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. 2020 <laughs> goals. Actually, I feel like that's very near in your future. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. Um, but yeah, so you're very right that the holidays can be quite a stressful time. My family and I decided to take it very easy because my parents did get sick a lot um, in December. And I think it affected my mental health a lot because I, I was not performing my best at work because I was very scared. My mom is sick. She's She lives with both PTSD like me, but now she has diabetes. And so she... She's been getting ill mainly because she's in, she's like in deep denial of her diabetes. She's like, I've suffered enough and I shouldn't have to suffer again. This is an extra punishment for something I didn't deserve and things like that. So, so she's she's been not taking her medication. She did not want to eat as prescribed. I got mad <laughs> at some point, and you know, Michaela, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I didn't perform my very best in December. And so it was, I was very thankful for just two weeks in the sun at our farm. We have eight cows now and six goats and four dogs and I try to sleep in the backyard. And... Oh my gosh, that sounds too cute. <laughs> I will give, I'll give up anything just to be there. <laughs> Please come to Rwanda. So yeah, so I did get to rest a bit and coming back to work, I was like, no, maybe I should quit <laughs> so I can like, sleep perpetually at the farm. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> you can't quit now, Gracie. You won't let you. Yeah. No, like Maya, I work at uh, Partners in Health and you know, the work that we do is incredible and i'm so thankful that i get to experience it firsthand uh, traveling to all the sites and seeing what's happening and documenting it so uh, after the whole not wanting to come back i really remembered where i worked and i remembered how much work we do and how i, I still want to be part of this i still want to engage and go and do all of this work so it motivated me to come back to work but of course it has its own anxieties and you know it's like planning for the future and you know taking gauge of your mental health and you realize that you know you have anxiety coming back if you didn't perform well last month what does that mean for this and for yourself how can you forgive yourself for feeling like you've let down people incredibly uh, because that's all of the emotions that I'm going through and the, you know, the anxiety that I'm having. It's like I let people down and even though they say it's okay, we understand. It's like how can I perform my best or the best of my abilities while also like taking it easy and not getting trapped in a cycle of like constant negative self-talk. You're a failure, you're failing at this. But also, like, trying to figure out where the balance is. I, I went through that, and I'm still going through it. But it's, it helps me to know that the work that I do is incredible. And I had that moment with my, with my family where I, like, relaxed and, you know, took back a bit of my energy and strength and got better. That sounds great, Gracie. I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that you were able to relax a bit and rest a bit. I, unfortunately, didn't have a great festive season. 
my festive season with family is always a, a little bit difficult for many complicated family reasons. And I don't, I don't see my family every Christmas, also for very complicated reasons. But this festive season was tough. I went through about a three-week bout of really bad depression. And there wasn't anything in particular that really triggered it, but I wasn't sure why I felt like that. I was incredibly exhausted. I slept 14 hours a day. I had It felt like I had fatigue in my bones. I was very down. I was really milling in my head and had just very depressing thoughts. And even though I still posted on social media and I had my birthday just before Christmas and that I did have some good times, I realized, because I, I always keep kind of track of my moods and keep track of how I feel and I, I do daily check-ins with myself. And I mean, often I'll go like a week of feeling a bit off and then I'll, I'll be on again. But I knew that something was really not okay when I went for a swim in the ocean because I, I actually I live very close to the ocean. And it's something that, that I always thoroughly enjoy and it always gives me a lot of pleasure. And I got out of the ocean and I did not feel one thing. I didn't feel any level of joy. I didn't feel any level of gratitude, for nothing. And it was such a devastating feeling because then... I also realized that something wasn't okay because, you know, depression is such a weird thing. It can just kind of like snowball into something very complicated. And I think I'm lucky that I've now in a position where I can actually, I notice these kinds of things happening to me and I, I know the signals and I'm able to step back and and realize what's going on, even though I don't know why it's going on. And I think luckily through my own work, I know that I need to take certain measures to look after myself. And yeah, I think I came out of the, you know, just on the other side of New Year's Day. And literally this week, beginning of this week, I went to take some blood tests because also knowing that your mental health is not only your brain and it's also linked to your physical health. It's always good to start with trying to eliminate what is going on in your, in your body before you just immediately go and say something's wrong with your brain, especially when you are using medication like I do every day. So I'll get my results next week and I'm hoping that, you know, physically I'm, I'm okay. But I feel lucky because this week my mood has started lifting and I'm feeling much better while I'm speaking to you guys now. And it's definitely getting better. And I'm not sure if whether it was just holiday blues. And I'm not saying just as if it's, it is less so than any other blues. I just wondered whether it was connected or whether it was just a really difficult, depressing time or whether it was just me being exhausted from the year. So there's a lot of things at play, and I think often I try and overthink it, and it becomes a little bit complicated in your head. But yes, it was a tough festive season, but I'm glad I am through it, and I will continue to see my, my therapist, keep on with talk therapy, because often that really helps a lot with your thoughts and you know figuring out what is going on with you. 
and just taking the necessary steps to look after my physical health too. I hope you uh, will keep us posted about the results that you're anticipating and I'm glad you're here. I want to echo Grace and say I like you girls so much. Uh, I'm, always, I'm so <laughs> impressed. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. I'll definitely. I'm in anticipation to get my results too. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it will be all okay. It could have just well been just a really tough bout for me, which maybe is better that it happens over the holidays rather than in the middle of the year where you are actually really inundated with a bunch of stuff and you feel like you're breaking down. So. I don't know when it's ever a good time. It just means that I, I didn't enjoy the festivities as much as I usually do because the festive season is always like a little bit of magic for me. There's always some sort of magic in the air, like families making the effort to see each other. There's lights and they are, there's love in the air. and People really want to try and make it a, a good special time of the year. So I really enjoy that time of year. But this year... This last season was just it was just a tough one for me. You know, I had um, Christmas in South Africa in 2014 with my parents. Oh, wow. That is very recent. Yeah, that was when I was living there, and they came down, and they still talk about, you know, that is the most exciting adventure that they've ever had. But there is something oh, wow. special about South Africa around Christmas. It's a very different experience than the one I'm used to in the States. It's also like a it's a, a summer's Christmas, you know, yeah. so we are very like used to having watermelon and Christmas go together for me. Like I can imagine how a warm piece of pie would go even here in the States. <laughs> for me, it's like fresh and you swim and you're outside and you're outdoors. And that's what Christmas is, you know, that time of year for me. And I think because I was so internal and I was so hermit-like because of what I was going through I think that was additionally devastating for me because I'm so used to Christmas being outside and being very active it was particularly difficult for me because I had to resign to being internal. Do you think it was kind of coming to the end of the year that helped trigger some of that? Last year was okay. The year before, I had a really, really, really tough time managing my medication. The U.S. healthcare system is ridiculously discombobulated to begin with, but oh um, gosh, things, yeah. were getting, <laughs> things were getting harder to manage with my insurance. I have a good job, and I have good insurance that covers my condition, but CVID is, in the U.S., priced if I were paying out of pocket, which I thankfully I'm not anywhere near to having to do it's 60 to a hundred thousand dollars US a year and so insurance oh companies, my god that is wild. horrific it's wild and so insurance wow. companies try they're very very hardest to not have to pay for that and so I will get letters that they will stop my care and kind of cease and desist things and it's really hard to deal with pre-authorization and I was doing injections, self-injections of the, the immunoglobulin, and it was so challenging to manage my job and to be responsible for everything that I'm responsible for on the day-to-day -day and also muster the energy emotionally and mm -hmm. just 
in general to make those phone calls. I had to, every couple of months, call three different entities about 20 times across to get my medicines authorized and sent. And it ended up spiraling me into this depression that I didn't fully realize I was in until it hit the holidays. And I counted up the months that I had gone. It gone probably three and a half months with stoppages and medication. And I was really sick. And I was really like physically sick. My numbers were terrible. I basically had a cold flu for like two months. But it wasn't until I got to the holidays that I even realized how bad it had gotten. And I was really mad at myself that I had let it sort of spiral in that way. And so like 2019, I sort of set the resolution to fix it, which some of Mm. that has has sorted itself out. I now do infusions. So my doctor's office has to deal with all of that. And I took that stress of managing insurance out of the picture so I just show up and do a month-long infusion and there were easy things but almost every day at work there'd be be stuff I would have to attend to or there was a project I was excited about and when I had a quiet moment in the day where I definitely could have gone to a call room and called whoever I had to call to get the meds moving I just couldn't didn't have the energy just couldn't do it and I yeah something I'm really really trying to work on is how do I sort of save that energy for myself as as much as I'm proud of my work I also don't want to look back and have only accomplished things professionally and I don't know Michaela where are you at how are things going oh (laughs) well so a recap I think a lot of my challenges came before the holidays. Uh, I was dealing with some really tricky permit issues here in Geneva and feeling quite disheartened because this has been my home for over six years and I pay taxes here and I'm not a burden on the system, but still this country makes it hard for me to stay. And uh, I was just really scared about losing my home and my community and my network and I was living in a, a like a five-week non-stop state of anxiety. And uh, I was incredibly lucky that my manager supported a very last-minute decision to change my tickets home, uh, and I extended my, my trip home by eight days. So I was, I was off work for three weeks, and uh, I went to Austin. It's not the city of my birth, but it's definitely the, the city that raised me. And I got to see a lot of friends, my old book club, and you guys know reading is so important for me. <laughs> and uh, my, my cats, well, they're my mother's cats, but when I'm there, they're definitely mine. <laughs> I saw a lot of cats on your Insta feed, and they, are, they were definitely cute. <laughs> they're so cute. They're called Big, Big and Addie. They're brother and sister. They're really sweet. But yeah, I had a, an incredible time in, in Austin. I was there 16 days, which I think is the longest trip that I've had to Austin since I left. Oh gosh, it was just fantastic. I met with a lot of people who have known me, like some have known me since I was 14 years old, these friends of mine. And they, um, it was amazing how each of them had a little Michaela moment to share with me. I did not request them, but each had a funny like, oh, I remember this thing about you and how I always think about that when I think about you. And they were things that I would never think about myself. And I think it was great for perspective taking. And Austin, just as a side note, because this is exceptional to me, 
I learned that the wealth of Austin in cash assets grew by 70% in 2019. The tech industry is coming to the city and it's very much becoming like the next Silicon Valley. It's also the city in the U.S. where diversity is vanishing at a frightening rate. Just a lot of bougie white people coming with their money and all of that. But um, it's still a very interesting time to be there and to be observing it. I, I found myself just absorbing the new energy of the city that I knew so well, uh, seeing all these old familiar faces, and they're all doing interesting things, many of them working in tech as well, so that was quite something. And then I went for four nights to Los Angeles where some of my dearest friends are relocated and spent New Year's with them, and you know, I was by the water and the sun was shining the whole trip. It was just fantastic. And I think one of the big reflections that I had is that this fear I'd been carrying with me well, for a long time, really, of having to leave Geneva and what would my life look like, I was able to kind of confront that because it turns out Austin or anywhere in the U.S. is not necessarily hell on earth. <laughs> I could survive it. And I think that was really good for me to realize that I hold on so much to, to my life here, but sometimes potentially to my detriment. And I've been really focused on trying to become more comfortable with uncertainty and ambiguity because that is life. And, you know, I was attaching all of these certain outcomes to staying in Geneva, like staying in Geneva equals good, having to leave Geneva equals bad. But I actually don't know the outcomes of my life yet. And I think the more we attach hope to certain things, its antithesis is fear. And by the way, this is all from a book called When Things Fall Apart by Pima Chodron, but I've been really adopting this thinking. So I've been just trying to confront those fears and definitely coming back to Geneva after such a long, incredible break is challenging. It, I've been glad for blue skies here, but I go from being around people constantly, from friends and family to pets, to being on my own a lot of the time. And at first it's exciting, you know, when I unpack and I take my first bath at home, I'm like, yes, this is the life. Then I start to feel that absence pretty quickly. And I guess a main reflection for me as we've reached 2020 is the last decade's been pretty much about my education and my career. But I'd like to see the next years be about something more than that. I'm not ready to leave that by any means, but something more, more about community and family. And I adopted a very fun exercise, so I don't want to put you guys on the spot, but if you do have a response, I'd be curious to hear it. A friend of mine told me that she and her husband have picked one word for 2019 and had picked another word for 2020, and they asked me what my 2020 word was, and my word is courage for 2020. Another one I loved that a friend shared in, in LA was uh, clarity, because 2020 vision, you know? <laughs> Makes sense. Of course. But it's been fun to think about. I haven't thought in terms of resolutions, but I've, I've been enjoying challenging myself to, to act courageously in, in whatever decisions I take so far and hopefully in future. That's actually such a, a lovely gesture. I think it's also touching a word to a timeline, and it's, I, I like that. I do like that. So you said your, your 2020 word was? Courage. Courage. Amazing. I think we're going to all need a lot of courage this year. That's for sure. Mm. So in terms of my work, I think mine is 
slightly different, mainly because I work from home and I, I do do some work for an office here in Durban, but I will go in maybe once a week. But most of my work is from my own home-based office. So I think in terms of, you know, me coming back to work, it is equally daunting, but it also kind of allows me to gently come back and not be like full on in an office and having to play to the the tune of the office. But it it does also, I have been in in those positions all my life. I've, I've been working in office spaces all of my life. And I also appreciate that sometimes, you know, getting back into work and back into a rhythm, it helps to to kind of have a schedule again, you know, to to go into the office at nine and, you know, you leave at five and it kind of like helps you with the rhythm again. So in terms of my own work, it's it's only just slowly starting up. So I think these challenges over the holidays is really it's it's really been quite tough to get the motivation to get back on to this 2020 horse. But like I said, I, I have been slowly coming out of the slump. So I, I'm hoping that my 2020 vision will be about growth and that I can I can grow even further than I have the last year because I feel I actually <laughs> what I did today is. I wrote down all of the things that I have achieved in 2019 and I thought that I would do that just as a reminder to myself that I am able to do things and even though I go through a tough time I'm still you know able to function and I was pretty amazed like that list was quite long (laughs) I was I was um I was pretty amazed by how much I've, I was able to achieve and I needed that. So, so I, I think those kind of small exercises certainly helps in setting the tone for what's to come. Yeah, I think for me, the last year, that word comes easier. The word for me would be reset. feels nice that it was at the sort of end of the decade but there was just a lot that uh, kind of getting the healthies back under control. And I think I've been feeling a lot of uncertainty and, and trying to figure out, trying to find clarity on what I want kind of the next phase of my career to look like and where I'm at with my current job and what I want to grow into. And, and also, what are the other things in my life I want to prioritize more? Because I think to Michaela's point, kind of thinking about community and building that and I'm in Boston without the rest of my family. Is that where I always want to be? Kind of those big questions. I turned 30 last year thinking about all of those things. And so it's a big reset internal conversation with myself this next year. For me, it's it's really about thinking about my own voice. I'm so used to being kind of supporting of others and, and the work that I do. And so leading with my own voice and my own story and, and talking to you guys through, through my own words. And, but then also sort of finding a little bit more balance this year is gonna be a busy one we're launching this huge report with the lancet that we've been working on for years and really build an advocacy agenda and one of the hardest things though that's 
to balance while I'm sick is travel. And I'm going to be traveling a ton this year. And so planning ahead and making sure that my infusions are happening before I'm somewhere for two weeks, not getting a lot of sleep when the tendency is to work through the evening or talk late into the night with colleagues because you're buzzed and you're thinking about the conference and going to bed. I'm just making those little choices, booking flights that aren't crazy itineraries because I want to add on a layover to to see something else or just kind of being mindful that travel can get so exhausting in terms of social energy, but also it's something that like when I don't get the sleep, when some of those things are off, it's it really quickly pushes me over the edge and to, to sick when when you're immunocompromised. I'd be curious to hear from you guys and as you think about that word for the next year, what you're, you're focusing on, what are the little things like travel or your relationship with your coworkers? What are the, some of the things that you manage differently because of your experiences with illness? But also, what do you want to try to do better this next year as far as self-care and navigating wellness for yourselves? Yeah, <laughs> You know, you've given me a lot to think about. I was thinking for myself, my word would be renew. And that means like, I don't know, it's like, I feel like it's a good year to renew everything. Like just start afresh because for most of the entirety of my life, I've always thought that communications is my career choice. And the more I enter global mental health spaces and listen, the more I I practice all the things that I've learned in my advocacy journey in my life. I've realized now that I should never be pegged into one career choice and I should do whatever I want to do. So for me this year, I've not set any resolutions. It's just I want to renew everything. I want to go back to school. I want to take better care of myself. I want to renew my dedication to life and to making life better for all the people around me. I want to renew my relationships with my parents, my siblings. I I just I just feel there's a new energy around 2020. Michaela, like you said, 2020 vision. I think I'm seeing things quite clearly, like for the very first time in my life. And I don't know if that's because my brain has fully developed now um, or if I've, I've just let go of most of my prejudices, which would be a great thing. So, yeah, so my word would be renewed. But, Maya, your questions around work and you know, around this year, I think, I think you're right with travel and with you know mental illness it's it can get quite exhausting and i remember chantelle saying just a few minutes ago she was saying take care of yourself don't get into spaces that are going to make you overwhelmed or exhausted and i think for me this year more than ever i want to take as much care of myself in these spaces so that I can be beneficial to the cause at hand. Because me being overwhelmed or tired or sad will not help in the long run. So I I think for me, what I want to do is take better care of myself, eat better, sleep earlier. I downloaded all these apps. I have have an app to remind me to sleep. I have an app to remind me to drink water. I have an app (laughs) for meditation. (laughs) My previous Global Health Core Fellowship gives us these gifts of a one-year subscription to Headspace. So while, you know, like people disparage 
meditation, uptimed meditation. I'm going to give it a try. It's a new decade. It's a new year. Let's do this. Let's take care of ourselves. And in regards to work, I think, like you said, it's a good time to take stock of what we've been doing for the past you know, 10 years and then look at how we want to move forward and how we want to treat the people around us and what networks we want to you know, feed into. And so, yeah, so I'm doing a big audit of my life. That's, that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And discarding Marie Kondo style. Hey. <laughs> what sparks joy, girl? Oh, I, I love that so much because, you know what, like I always say, when you're doing self-care, it's better to over-arm yourself. Trying all these different things is, is so, it's so vital because sometimes you'll use different tools. You won't use the same tools all the time. So it's actually so wonderful to hear that that is such a lovely approach because ultimately you'll feel different at different times. And if you have different kinds of tools in your in your bag, then mm. you can use them as you need them. So it's actually so lovely to hear that. And can I just commend your word choice of auditing your own life? I mean, how grown are you? <laughs> I am not ready to audit. <laughs> They say that the human brain is fully devolved at 25. It's no stopping you. Be hard. Be hard. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I feel like for me, yeah. I didn't have such cool vocabulary to say what it was, but 2019 was my audit, and now I'm like, I like the word renew. Like, I want to kind of go in with intention. I've learned a lot about myself in 30 years yeah what do I really want to bring into the next decade and there's a lot of stuff that I'm, I'm proud of doing but I just want to do a little better like I am really yeah. close on French and I want to actually have a conversation not just get around in a taxi in Rwanda we're getting there there are two comments I want to make one is just a little side note about like return to work on full display. Over the break, I got my hair cut and I admitted to my hairdresser that I have this anxious tick where I pull out my hair. And actually in 2019, I did, instead of a word, I did a, a two columns. One was more and the other was less. So like more self-care, more patience, more compassion, no, no, no. And then less was like less anxiety, you know, and one of them was less hair pulling. And it makes it sound like I'm aggressive, like I'm pulling other women's hair. But really, it's, it's like the this thing I have where I take the ends and I just pull them out. And I go back to work this week. Monday, I got to work from home and it was blissful and I felt fully on it despite jet lag and I was ready to go. And then... Tuesday comes around and I start getting emails and I start wondering, oh gosh, what's the best way to respond? And I start getting nervous and in my head and double, triple thinking everything about how to just do professional life right. And by the end of the week, you should see the amount of hair that creates like a halo around my desk chair. It's absolutely awful. And I was so good oh, at no. not pulling my hair out over the break. And, and at work, I just sit there like pulling it out. But it relates to something a little bit similar and different. And it, and it comes back to, for instance, the word courage. But also because we're women who are speaking 
out who are owning the fact that we are young but we have meritable lived experiences that are worth discussing and that can inform these dialogues and decisions that are taken as a result. I have talked to a lot of people over Christmas about this book that I read at the end of the year called Invisible Women. It's about the gender data gap, basically just about how so much of the world is based on data that comes from men and eliminates women in so many areas of our lives, even though we make up half the world and we're really a powerful group of, of people. And one of the things that I, in the chapter on women in the workplace, it talked about how women who also don't fall into certain stereotypes around being passive and subservient kind of face a double threat from men and women because they're almost behaving like a man by being outspoken and ambitious. And so women don't like them and men don't like them. And I feel like I face this a lot in my career. You know, it depends on the tone, but I'm often told, oh, you're ambitious, you're driven. But it's created incredible anxiety around trying to grow and voice my opinion and be outspoken because I believe in what I have to say or what I have to contribute or brainstorm out loud with others without threatening people, without harming myself professionally, knowing, and I guess this is where my own mental health comes in, I'm not rubber. It's not going to bounce off of me. I'm going to take it home. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to obsess over it. I'm going to rip my hair out over it. And I don't know how you guys feel in managing that, but that's another reason that I'm thinking about the word courage a lot. It's like in 2020, I believe in, you know, millennials are a very self-obsessed generation, but it has meant that we, we believe in ourselves, so we don't necessarily feel like we need to do the 10, 20 years in the same job before we get a promotion. And I think it's led to a lot of positive change. And actually, you know, we're raising some of the most socially conscious generation out there. I believe in this for us. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot in there that you were talking about. There's a hell of a lot, actually. For me, something that I, I'm really proud about the professional trajectory that I've been on and, and what I've been able to build and the roles that I have is I do have within our team and especially with my boss, who is an academic, medical, trained, he's a medical anthropologist and a, a cardiologist, and he sits in Harvard Medical School, and, and um, he directs a number of prestigious programs across Harvard and PIH and the Brigham and Women's Hospital. And I, interestingly enough, came into this working relationship and pretty quickly between the two of us, I can say no to him. And that's an incredible thing, given that I'm not a clinician, I'm not a medical trainee, I am one of the only female leaders on our team, I am younger than all of the other managerial roles by, in some cases, five years, in some cases, 40 years. <laughs> and, and that's something that, regardless of all of the good and the bad of this role, like I, I really, really appreciate from him. But I think because there's also a lot of doctors on our team who do sit in that academic hierarchy, I kind of have to take on everybody's battles. And again, people quite a bit older than me will send me in to be the one to fight for something. And I love that I'm impassioned and I appreciate that I have the ability to do that. And I care a lot about the things that, that I'm going in on. But I also feel like it's gone too far. Like I, I went in hot on not that important of a working discussion around something that I actually care a lot about working on with our advocacy agenda. And I came in hot because I was carrying the baggage from three other conversations that I had to be 
had to be the one fighting for something and it was unfair to who I was going up against. And one of the things that I want to do professionally, especially thinking about being a woman, trying to navigate that, other people on my team have gotten to specialize in something and they don't have to do the generalist role. And I've, I've always been the program manager who has to kind of take on all of the projects and manage across the whole team. And so I've really, really cared the most about advocacy, but because I'm balancing writing the evaluations for our clinical fellows and I'm helping set up a cross-site meeting where we're going to get all of our clinicians in Malawi and I am dealing with an HR issue and I am... Because I have to be the generalist, I have to take on all of the battles where I really just, I want to be able to build on on the advocacy policy comms work and think about how we need to staff the team to be able to, to specialize, to focus on supporting our teams and having the backstop. It is, it is hard to balance that when to be assertive and when to not and when to take on the fight and when to let it go and... I want to be more centered coming into this next year. Yes, but also how do you be totally, visible? totally like taking the words out of my mind, Maya, because I think part of my word with growth this year is growing mm. in knowing when to fight the battles and when to let it go. Because I've often, you know, found myself in similar positions where at the moment I'm, I'm kind of forging my own role. And there's no designated role apart from, you know, I've, I've got, I do various consulting work and I, I do project management for different organizations, but I kind of forging my own role. But it also means that you will literally burn out all your energy if you, if you fight for every, every small thing. And this is kind of what I'm trying to do better in 2020. What I've started in 2019 is really to let small things go and also knowing when is something good for me and when is something really not good for me, whether it's got long-term implications or short-term implications. And like you said, balancing that. Because for me, it's also about streamlining things in my workplace because it always impacts your your personal life. And because my work is so intertwined with my personal life, and because I consciously have to separate my space, even physically in my home, to say I could call my office space is completely separate to where we sit and watch TV or when me and my boyfriend have dinner. I have to consciously do that. And that also means that I, I really this year want to try and streamline things so that they don't overlap so much that it gets blurry and then you get even more anxious, overwhelmed, and you don't see the wood for the trees. And I often find that that's something that I, I get into that spiral and it's really unhealthy. Yeah, so I agree with you. For people like you and Chantel who are like very always available, always willing to fight for others. I remember quite clearly when we were in Chaja last year when this waitress told me not to eat ice because it, it's for gain weight. <laughs> and oh my gosh. I'm okay with letting it go, but Chantel was mad. <laughs> I just, there's certain things that really jack up my butt. 
there's stuff that I'm like, I'll, I'll let it go. And then there's stuff that I'm just, oh my God, I have to deal with this right yeah. now. And I didn't want to make it awkward for Gracie, but I also couldn't just not say anything because this lady was rude is not even the right word. I don't even know yeah. what that is. She was just an absolutely awful waitress and the way that she like, treated her. Yeah. And just the things that she said in a stuck. And it's also like this preconceived idea. And I also know that when you see somebody that's a similar kind of background and culture to you in a space where there's not a lot of other people that's a similar culture to you, then it's almost like you, you reach a certain like a instant comfort level with somebody, which can be a good thing. But you can also overstep that boundary very quickly because you feel so, almost feel too comfortable with that person. And yeah. that that was what I, and I could be completely wrong, Grace, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong. But that was what I felt. It's It almost felt to me like she was treating you like you were either her sister or mm. her child back at home that yeah. she would have easily spoken to like that when she was back at home. But yeah. you are none of that. You're completely yeah. not related to her at all. Even if yeah. you were related to her, it's it's horrible how she treated you. But I yeah. felt like that was just something that she so off the cuff easily said to you and thought it was okay because she somehow related to you. Yeah. And I was just not going to have any of it. Um, <laughs> and I had to fight a small battle. So some people have like fight or flight or freeze. And mine was freeze in the moment. So I was like, I don't know how to react to this, so I'm not going to react at all. I'm going to, you know, just keep going. <laughs> like, just, you know what, just do whatever you want. And I really appreciated Chantel stepping up for me and, you know, saying all the things that were in my mind. And I guess, basing on that, you and I were talking about how, like, you have to step up in this space and be the one who advocates. And sometimes it's draining. And, you know, I wanted to say I'm not the type. <laughs> But coming from people like me who usually, you know, sometimes freeze and are not the ones who advocate for themselves, we appreciate it. But it's very obvious that you can't get drained, thrust upon you because, you know, you did it that one time and now you've become, you know, the leader of something, even though you're drained, even though it's like a hard time. What does Chantel need? Maybe also on top of all the different reflections they've been having, there should be an increased shared responsibility yeah. for everyone in a space to be to like to take it up on themselves to also stand up. It's like that tired tweet, check on your strong friends. It's like also check on the people who speak up for others. Are they in the right mind headspace to listen? Are they in the right yeah. headspace to lead? Like sometimes yeah. we need to step up and, you know, well, be in well, charge as well. The other side of the coin is it's probably not the healthiest of teams if there's sort of only one person that does say no or it's only coming from a couple of people. And so I think I need to think about kind of how do I better empower the people around me, the ones I'm responsible for. But also me stepping back, I'm used to kind of managing everything. But if I am starting to sort of specialize more in advocacy, just because mm -hmm. I've been around the longest and just because I have gone in on those sorts of things, it's someone else's turn and me shutting up might allow for or advising 
I've had this argument before. I've had this situation come up. This was successful for me. I'm here if you need me. Go for it. And I think that's something that I think about more one-on-one with the people that I manage, but I, I should be thinking more in terms of our whole team. Maybe there's stuff that I could be doing to either just step back or empower people to to do those things that really aren't my remit anymore. Another element of that, though, where I've struggled is I speak out a lot and, you know, usually constructively, and I'm not alone in the room when I do it, but you know, I'll speak out and I've been asked like, Michaela, why do you champion everything? Why do you have to say something? Uh And afterwards, people would often in different meetings or team, you know, where I bring up questions, I'm not challenging. I just raise questions instead of just nodding and staying quiet. And often people will say to me, oh, great questions, or I'm really glad you said that, blah, blah, blah. But a friend of mine once said, Michaela, you have to think about it sometimes. There's a reason that other people in the room are staying quiet. And I think that's sometimes very difficult for me because even if I know through qualitative evidence that people echo what it is I've said, it is true that there's a reason that they're choosing not to speak in those environments while I still am. And, And often it does me more harm than good. So I love that notion, Maya, of you thinking like, wow, maybe by taking a step back, I can, you know, enable others to raise their voices. But in my circumstance, it's like, oh, we all just need to maybe sometimes not talk, which I don't really agree with. And that's why I really struggle with this one. Yeah, no, I, I, I also think about that a lot. I want, sometimes when something is happening and someone speaks up and then they become known as the people who speak up, I think a big part of it also comes from like that, you know, people get comfortable with you speaking up and then it stops being so disruptive. It's like, it becomes like your stick of sorts, right? It's like, yeah, it's your thing. And like, oh, Michaela's going to say something anyway, so I don't have to say it. Exactly. It's, It's honestly, there's no real solution to it. Being assertive comes in handy as well. Like, our, we have a new CEO. She's wonderful. She's a long, 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 long time nurse within our organization. But she did these staff breakfasts in the Boston office where everyone was assigned to one and you'd be with like six, eight other people from different departments at different levels of the organization. And we all got an hour that we got to sit down. I happened to be out. I think I was in Minneapolis. I, I was not in Boston. So I was calling in from the phone and Sheila did her spiel then sort of it was it was really about people asking questions or thoughts that they had or things that they wanted to see in the vision and no one kind of jumped in to speak and so me from wherever I was sitting not in Boston Sheila just goes I know you have a lot to say always why don't you jump in and I was like no I actually don't have something immediately to go that was like the bad version of it of like oh no I, I need to I need to curb this a little bit But the good version of it was recently on a call with an advocacy roundtable that we're involved with in D.C. Again, I was in Boston. Everyone was in Washington. We have a really busy year coming up. I'm on the steering group, but I was very intentionally going into the call, trying not to sign up for anything. (laughs) Defer to other people. Let it just sort of be chill, be quiet and chill from Boston. I didn't have to say anything. And they decided that supporting us with our Lancet launch was going to be one of the priorities for 
this roundtable for the next year. And it was the easiest advocacy stance I've ever taken because I literally said nothing. But having really been vocal about our work and what we were driving towards and what we have to say about NCDs and poverty for the years prior to that meant that I had established our narrative and why other people should be part of it. And so it was like, okay, that's the good version. The bad version is, I know you always have something to say. (laughs) I think I resonate with that on so many levels. I think I am, I'm quite dynamic and, you know, trying to do something and getting involved and knowing that, knowing what to do to get involved. And I think you shouldn't discredit or disregard the fact that you almost put in the groundwork and you're in the trenches so that it came to that point where you didn't have to say anything and it just happened almost organically. But it seems like it happened organically. But what happened is that you were vocal about it for so long and that that's the result of that. And I think that is so that rings true with advocacy in general, right? A lot of people are on Twitter and they have these online voices. But when it comes down to the core of it and down to the guts and down to the trenches, there are not a lot of people who really step up with a strong voice in fear of being criticized or in fear of being lambasted or fear of, of being humiliated and, you know, being in a public space where people are absolutely awful to, to you. So I think giving credit to fellow advocates who are vocal about things and who really go push the boundaries with saying things. So knowing when to say things and knowing when to stay quiet is also growth. That is a level of growth, but it's also because you were able to dig into the ground and work hard and got to a point where things actually happen organically. That's a beautiful note to potentially end this podcast on, I'm wondering. I hope that that is what we create in 2020, is that everything we we are talking about and shouting about like culminates in this year growth and renewal and courage and all the words that are meaningful and that should be discussed this decade and forever after. Absolutely. Here, here. Here, here. Here, chair. Chair, chair. Yeah, this was lovely. And I know we were missing Job this time, and so it'll be great to hear what he's thinking about for for the next year. And when we all come back on our next chat, let's try and be more frequent this year, guys. Yeah. I kind of set really easy to achieve specific resolutions and then like bigger aspirations like we've been talking about. I've loved getting to do this with you guys, but also I'm so excited about the way that we might be able to incorporate other voices and and build on since we all have busy years as our own advocates for our own projects and organizations. (laughs) So yeah, this is one of my achievable gonna happen we're gonna do it yes Um, so let's keep talking i'm looking forward to sharing 2020 with you and hoping we actually get to see each other in person and Mm. if there are any funders out there want to sponsor us an in-person recording call us now we totally (laughs) answer that what, what number are we given, Chantel? <laughs> Call us somewhere. Excellent work. Thank you, Mom.
I like you too. I like you too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs>